Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. From Light in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Well, hi there, um, and welcome to today's program. Delighted to have you with me today. Uh, This is Dr. Ross Green, and this is Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. And uh, we get together here once a week to talk about, um, well, kids with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges in general. And if you want your child with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges in particular. And, of course, the advantage to joining in live is that you can call in and uh, ask questions if you want and get the support you're looking for and, well, that kind of stuff. So I'm delighted that you have uh, decided to spend some time with me today, whether you're joining in live or listening to one of the recorded uh, programs. Um, All of this brought to you by the uh, nonprofit that I founded to help me disseminate the collaborative problem-solving approach and advocate on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids, their parents, teachers, and other caregivers. So, If you do want to call in, that number is 347-994-2981. Once again, 347-994-2981. And uh, if you're not the calling in type, you can always send me a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. And that website, of course, is www.livesinthebalance.org. And if you've been on the Lives in the Balance website recently, then you know that it has been uh, revised uh, rather dramatically. And, um, boy, there's all kinds of stuff on there. All the stuff that was on there is still on there. And um, all of the streaming video showing people how to, uh, what the collaborative problem-solving approach is about and how to do Plan B and how not to do Plan B and hearing from people who have um, uh, been on the journey and um, lived to tell the tale. Um, but a bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, if you want to send a care package to someone who you think needs to learn about collaborative problem solving and perhaps even implement it, um, well, that's on there now. And if you want to tell your story, um, 
there's a share section on the Lives and Balance website that will permit you to do just that, anonymously, of course. But, boy, every day, almost every hour, I'm reminded of um, how much pain there is out there and, of course, how hard it is to be raising or teaching a child with social, emotional, or behavioral challenges. And um, the share section will help you tell your story And, of course, while you're on the website, you need to make sure that you sign up for the newsletter of Lives in the Balance, the Lives in the Balance Call to Action. It's called Action Plan B. I'm not sure what else we would have called it, but that's what it's called. And we just sent out our first newsletter this morning. So if you've signed up a long time ago and have been waiting for that newsletter, well, check your inbox. It's in there. Of course, in the Northeast this morning, we are awaiting the second uh, predicted big snow dump of the winter. Supposed to get another foot to foot and a half. And, um, yeah, it's affecting my travel plans. It's going to make it so that uh, my talk that's scheduled this Thursday in New York City is going to have to be done a different way with me sitting in Boston. Um, That's all right. The information is the same. Uh, What I thought we would do today, in the absence of any callers at the moment, is uh, turn to some of the uh, email that I've received um, to uh, answer some of your questions that way. So let's let's take these, uh, well, one at a time. Here's one that I got six minutes ago. Talk about, talk about being responsive. It's the six minutes later response. Uh, Here's the uh, email. I'm presently reading your book, The Explosive Child. I like your perspective, but the... Plan B approach seems more geared toward older children. How can I adapt this program for my four-year-old? By the way, here's the interesting thing, and thank you very much for your email, and I'm going to finish uh, with the rest of your question. Um, But um, do you know that I frequently hear that people telling me that the approach and the examples that I give seem more geared toward younger children? Um, So here's the advance. uh, Here's my advance. uh, Here's here's the... uh, Fair warning on my answer. Um, uh, It's not a matter of chronological age. Um, It's a matter of whether the child has the communication and language skills to participate in the three ingredients of Plan B. Is Is the child able to provide us with information about his concern or perspective on a given unsolved problem? Is he able to understand the fact that he does have a concern or perspective and tell us what's going on. Is he able to articulate it in words? Those are the skills required for participating in the empathy step, and um, most four-year-olds have them. Is the child able to uh, listen to our concern and hang in there as we describe what's troubling us about the same unsolved problem? And, of course, Uh, All of this is made much easier, whether the child is 4 or 44 or 94, um, if all of this is being done proactively, not emergently. And then, is the child able to participate in the process? And, of course, I'm talking about the invitation step here. The process of brainstorming potential solutions, um, whether he's able to come up with one or not, um, is he able to listen to us if he can't? come up with potential solutions that will address the concerns of both parties, in other words, be mutually satisfactory, and uh, assess the degree to which the solution is realistic, meaning he can actually do what he's agreeing to do. Now, most four-year-olds 
can do that. And if there's something keeping a four-year-old from doing that, well, of course, we need to figure out what that something is and help him with that something so that he can participate in Plan B. But as I said in my radio program for educators yesterday, the ingredients of participating, yes, participating in the way that uh, Plan B is most often depicted by me in my books and on the videos on the Lives in the Balance website, yeah, they, they involve language processing skills, but um, and lots of folks know this already, you, you can do Plan B and apply the same ingredients in a child who's completely nonverbal or very limited uh, in terms of their language processing and communication skills, and that, that's just a matter of creativity. If it's not going to be words, how are we going to help this child um, participate in the process of letting us know what unsolved problems are getting in his way and what his concerns might be about those unsolved problems. Uh, is he able to, are we able to come up with creative mechanisms? And my creativity is usually limited to pictures, and thank goodness for Google Images, because they help us depict all kinds of things in pictures that we may not have, that may not have the artistic talent to um, depict on our own. Is he able to... Uh, integrate our concerns into his thinking, take them into account? Is he able to contemplate potential solutions? All of that can be done in pictures, in kids who are completely nonverbal. And by the way, and this is the part that I spent a fair amount of time on yesterday uh, on the web-based radio program for educators, um, is the child uh, able to, um, well, even in infants, even in infants, uh, the, the goal is actually not that much different. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. That I was reading somebody else's email that I was going to cover next. Uh, is the, the, in an infant, the goal of the parent is to try to figure out what the infant is trying to communicate, what, whether the infant is communicating that through crying, which is sort of the norm, or um, turning red in the face, or shivering, or sweating, What's the child trying to communicate? And how can we be responsive to that? Um, we can do it with a child who's one hour old. We can do it with a child who's one year old. We can do it with a child who is four, 44, 94. Let me finish with the rest of the email. An example of a meltdown is when my four-year-old son wants his two-year-old sister to play with him, and she won't. He gets very upset and keeps insisting she play with him. Well, there's an unsolved problem. Good, we've got one nailed. Another example is when he wants something specific to eat, and we are out of it. He refuses to accept that we don't have what he wants. Well, there's, there's another. You've got... Your list of unsolved problems is now too deep. I'm betting you have more. Now, proactively, let's see if your son can give you uh, useful information on uh, the unsolved problem of him wanting his sister to play with him and her not, and the unsolved problem of him wanting something to specific, specific to eat and you all being out of it. If he has generally intact language processing and communication skills, and there's nothing about your email that suggests that he doesn't, well, 
stand by. He's going to give you some information. And then, if you're doing this proactively especially, meaning not right when his sister is refusing to play with him and not right when he you don't have what he wants to eat, but proactively, outside of the heat of the moment, so he can think more clearly and participate more readily and give you more information more easily. Um, tell us what happens. Uh, call into the program after you do one of those two problems, unsolved problems, and let us know what happens. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. I think um, if your four-year-old son has intact language processing skills, I think he's going to be able to provide you with some pretty interesting information. But even if he can't, call in and let us know what happened. That's what this program is about. We answer questions, then we see how it goes. Uh, Here's the cool part. I was about to turn my attention to another email, but we have a caller, and callers always take priority on this program. So here we go from area code 410, and that's all I'm going to say about you. So don't give us any identifying information, no names, no cities, um, but you're on the air with Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. How are you today? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, and I'm glad that you called in. What's on your mind? Our child, um, I've just established it, as she has attachment disorder. and Did you just email me? She- I did, so ignore that. Well, I'm not going to ignore I'm, it because I'm, it's the one I was going to answer next, but now <laughs> now I don't have to answer it here next I am. because here you are. I'm glad that you called in. Go ahead. Correct. Um, she, uh, our daughter is 12 years old. She was adopted from South Korea at seven months old, and she was in a lovely um, situation with a foster family, but ultimately I've now established that she had, between being relinquished at birth, approximately five different caregivers from the time of her relinquishment to the time she hit our arms. And she is, she has been, she has raged, she has anger. I believe, I have felt she was attached, um, so I never really looked closely at the attachment piece, but now I'm quite confident that that is much of what we are suffering with. And we are absolutely working with your program, but I'm interested in that. How do you believe there could be, should should there be any realignment of your program because of her attachment issues? I appreciate the question, and um, I'm very glad that you called in. Let, let's see if I can help here. My um, flip answer is no. But let's not be flip. Here's why. Be, be, because okay. because everything I read very clearly says, and I've I've known this for years, but never had really the direction that working with attachment disorder children, um, that it's a it's a very different set of parenting rules, so to speak. Consequences are different. Everything is different, and well, we're and learning part, it. We're working. That that part's okay with me. Because um, collaborative problem solving is pretty different. Um, but here, here's what I mean. What, um, and the first thing that we should start with is that um, uh, attachment is, um, you know, something that's clearly in the literature, and it's a very rich literature filled with things that I think are very useful. Attachment itself, I think, is a little bit harder to pin down in terms of its specifics. And, of course, attachment is what reactive attachment disorder is all about. 
and I'm not a very diagnostically oriented mental health professional because I like things to be even more specific than what a diagnosis can tell us. So let's assume that I know what you're talking about when you say that um, attachment could be what's going on with your daughter. Let's assume that temporarily. Um, And and I'm not dismissing the diagnosis because I think I know what you're talking about and I think I know what your concerns are. But let's think about what kids who are having difficulty attaching need And let's think about whether collaborative problem solving would provide them with that. But before we do that, another thought that I had. You said that your daughter is raging, but I'm willing to bet a meaningful amount of money that she's not raging full-time. She's a part-time. That is correct. It It is completely in the home. It is ultimately control based. When she hears the word no, as an example, that is going to be an absolute trigger. Um, she has a tremendously difficult time soothing herself. The only way she is soothed is in front of electronics, by electronics. She lacks uh, an imagination when it's left all to her. She um, manages in school. However, she has absolute struggles with social skills. And when I say she, it's a control piece. It is a phenomenally strong control piece that she requires. Um, okay, now here's the interesting thing. Go ahead. Yep. No, no, go, you please go ahead. Well, uh, you know, um, the, the features, the characteristics that you've just described, I hear about a lot of kids, and not only those who have your daughter's history, and as um, concerning as your daughter's history is, and as, well, I guess we could say tragic as it is that she had five caregivers before she was fortunate enough to land in, in and, and what me, sounds like a and, much and more may stable I specif- home. Please Go let ahead. me specify yeah. what the five caregivers were as an example. Yep. Well, when I say she was, she, was, um, she was given birth, so she had the birth mother. At, at birth, she was then transported across the country, so that's two. She was placed in the arms of a foster family, a loving foster family, for seven months. That's three. And she was transported across the, the, the world to us. That's four. And then we sit with five. So that's where I'm, I'm, I'm really it. breaking it down. Yep, that's still quite a few. That's a lot of mm-hmm. bouncing from one. Hands and smells. That's right. Um, but so here's the interesting thing, though. Um, there's some of your terminology that collaborative problem solving would probably change a little bit um, Mm -hmm. because I think that we all like to have control. The question is, why is your daughter going about trying to control things in the way that she is? Because there are adaptive ways to try to control and there are maladaptive ways to try to control. The the word no um, in the collaborative problem solving territories wouldn't be specific enough. It's what... It's what you're saying no about that would be specific unsolved problems. But, uh, you know, I I want ice cream before dinner. I want to watch TV endlessly. Um, I want you to play with me endlessly because I'm having trouble um, self-entertaining. Those would all be, and if you have to say no to those things sometimes, because, of course, you can't watch TV endlessly Mm -hmm. and and you can't play with her endlessly, then the Mm -hmm. word no would not be your specific unsolved problem, but those specific unsolved problems would be. But here's the most important thing that we've confirmed so far. 
she's not raging every second of every waking hour. She's raging under very specific conditions, especially mm-hmm. those, it sounds to me, like most of the kids that I work with, who are especially situations demanding certain skills, skills like flexibility, and this is these are the more global skills, not the specific ones, flexibility and adaptability, frustration tolerance, mm-hmm. problem mm-hmm. solving. So um, would collaborative problem solving help you solve those problems? Well, the first thing collaborative problem solving would do is help you be really specific about what unsolved problems are setting in motion her intermittent challenging episodes. And then mm-hmm. collaborative problem solving would provide you with a technology, plan B, for mm-hmm. solving those problems with her in a collaborative fashion. Now, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's standard collaborative problem solving. That's collaborative problem solving right. for all comers. Now, mm-hmm. what would collaborative <clears throat> problem solving do for a child who we feel has attachment issues? Well, one of the things collaborative problem solving does is it dramatically improves communication. Just because of the, the, the basic ingredients of Plan B. Uh, the first ingredient mm-hmm. of Plan B, and it sounds like you might be familiar with this already, uh, the first ingredient is yeah. the empathy step. I think if you are mm-hmm. a child who is having attachment issues, empathy is a wonderful thing. I think if you're a child who's having attachment issues, having your concerns heard, clarified, the confidence that your concerns will be responded to and addressed, wonderful thing. Being able to take another person's concerns into account, good, not a bad thing for a child who we might say is having difficulty with attachment to, to, to start to get good at. And in that invitation step, the third ingredient of Plan B, recognizing that an adult is just as committed to making sure that your concerns are addressed as they are in ensuring that their own concerns are addressed. An adult who um, is committed to making sure that the solution is realistic and mutually satisfactory, all ingredients that I would say are spectacular for a child who we're saying is having difficulty with attachment issues. So now let me go flip on you just one more second. I think I wouldn't change a thing. However... If it's the case that some of the highly specific unsolved problems that are um, getting in your daughter's way could logically be traced back to attachment issues, then the only thing I would, I, I wouldn't say anything differently except that we need to be as specific about those unsolved problems as we can as well. So, for example, if you believe that um, her difficulty self-entertaining, and you didn't say that, you said self-soothing, but let's say she's having trouble self-entertaining. If she's having Mm -hmm. trouble self-entertaining, we could trace that back to attachment issues, but to tell you the truth, it wouldn't sound any different when we're beginning Plan B because of the attachment issues. It would still sound like this. I've noticed that you really like me to play with you, and um, sometimes it's hard for you when I can't play with you at a particular moment. What's up? May we be more specific to us. I understand that you really, really care for Neopets, and that keeps you busy. But you Great. can't live on the computer. Well, and the, the you can't live on the computer part would be your concern, and that would be in the second ingredient. I'm just being nitpicky here a little bit. 
But yes, yes all, all you would do is make the unsolved problem specific to your life with your daughter. And um, then, to be perfectly honest with you, I can't. Uh, I I think collaborative problem solving is precisely what I would be applying because of the ingredients of collaborative problem solving, and because of what they help us achieve. It's exactly what I would be doing, and I'm not sure that I would change a thing except making the unsolved problems highly specific and specific to your situation with your daughter. But then it goes even. Then it can go even deeper. I'm sorry. If then it could go even deeper from the standpoint of a a pre-adolescent who wants the the cell phone and the computer, and they're not getting it. So, in as much as there's we try to solve the problems with them, we're not going to provide her the things that she perceives everyone else has. So when we're talking about collaborative problem solving, if ultimately the only way to solve that problem in her mind is to provide her with what she wants and we're not going to, how do we get how do we bridge that? Because well, there's that's so a much question. her wanting a cell phone okay. is her solution. Uh, mm-hmm. And yes, as as part of hearing about her concerns, we would. Um, by the way, you're not getting a cell phone. Is your solution? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have we, what we have here is what um, we might call dueling solutions, which ultimately is really called a power struggle. I want a cell phone. Well, you're not having it. Um, that's not collaborative problem solving. That's um, that's a power struggle. So and and now, <laughs> right. now and, and by the way, this is a scenario that. Um, occurs in um, many children about your daughter's age, irrespective of their degree of attachment, I might add. And, um, but, and I wish it but, were in more homes, yes. <laughs> that would help solve my problem. If, it, if more people said no, yeah, if more people well, it, said no, it wouldn't be as big an issue. Yes. Um, well, you know, as long as somebody's not saying no, it's going to be an issue. But the bottom line is these are Truly. unsolved problems that people who have pre-adolescence and adolescence are destined to face. And to be perfectly honest with you, you don't want to go into plan B with a preordained solution. I'm sure whatever is causing you to believe at this moment in time that you're very unenthusiastic about her having a cell phone, you'll Mm -hmm. need to put those concerns on the table in the second ingredient of plan B. And whatever Mm -hmm. concerns are causing your daughter to feel that she is desperate for one, she'll have to put those concerns on the table in the empathy step of plan B. And then... I'm very curious to hear what you all come up with in the uh, invitation step of Plan B, but as long as those concerns are not on the table, then all we really have on the table is dueling solutions, a power struggle, and um, that might not be so pretty. Listen, I I do want to move on to another caller because we have someone else waiting. I am most appreciative that you caught it. I hope the information you got by calling was helpful, and by calling in you made that information available to other people as well. So thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. So that was uh, that was interesting. We did, um, you know, reactive attachment disorder is a very popular diagnosis out there, but um, it's not something we've talked about on this program too often. So uh, cool, we just did. But um, because callers take priority, we're once again going to turn to our second caller, um, and this is from area code seven zero five. And um, don't use any identifying information. Don't tell us where you are. I just announced your area code, but I'm delighted that you've called in. What's on your mind today? Hi there, Dr. Green. Hi I've, there. Uh, I've spoken to you once right before Christmas, and you'd asked me to call back. And I've Great. written to you a couple times about my three- and five-year-old boys. Okay. Um, I have 
primarily, I, I guess I'm calling for my five-year-old. Um, I think I've mentioned in the past that I do have some struggles with my three-year-old that are growing, I guess, uh, because of the trouble we're having with our five-year-old. And he's The three-year-old seems to be copying some of the negative behaviors of his brother. Um, <clears throat> uh, before Christmas, I was starting to ask you about initiating the, the CPS discussions. We've We've tried a few... We've tried this on a few occasions, um, admittedly not as many in the last few weeks as, as we had before, um, but they seem to start where I say, you know, I've I've noticed that when you and your brother are playing Legos, um, sometimes it can end up with somebody getting hurt or you two fighting, what's up? And typically, if I ask a question like that where he's noticeably uncomfortable, he'll turn to something else, he'll start playing you can tell he doesn't want to answer the question. So I've seen the videos on your site, and I've tried, well, I can see you're giving this a lot of thought. Um, and then I'll typically get him turning back and saying, what? <laughs> um, so I'll repeat the question. Um, and I've noticed, yada, yada, yada. And um, and then I'm not, I'm still not getting responses out of him. We have occasionally gotten some responses. We have worked through a couple problems, and we found some what seem to be durable solutions on a couple points. But... Good. The big ones, uh, like we've managed to get teeth brushed for the most part, and we've managed to get him taking a bath without being upset about having the water poured over his head to wash out shampoo. But the bigger problems, the ones that are really creating the the aggression and the, the violence, those are the ones that we're struggling to get any answers out of him. And we had an appointment with his pediatrician yesterday um, who, who was the first person to turn us on to, to your book. And um, she had... She'd said that she's noticed a couple of traits of a very low-level autism or, or Asperger's or something like that, and um, she said she wasn't sure at what level he might be able to communicate that, or whether he might be having some difficulty even understanding the problems himself. Although I, I'm not, I'm not really sure. After the appointment, I was sitting in the in the van with him and, and saying, um, you know, I've I've noticed that when your pediatrician or or dad or I ask you some of these hard questions that you have a really difficult time answering them. Um, and so I said, is it that you don't have an answer or that you don't want to tell us what your answer is? And so he said, well, I have answers, um, but they're not the right answers. And then later I, I came back to it again um, as he was getting ready for bed. And he says, I have answers. I have all kinds of answers. I, I get I get new answers all the time. And, and so I, I'm not quite sure wow. how to effectively communicate with him, I guess. Well, so here's, um, you know, um, I've not met your son nor you, so this is always going to be slightly generic advice. Of course. But um, have you noticed, it, it sounds like you, you've you gotten some problems solved. In the, midst of, in the, in the um, context of solving those problems, did you get, was he able to give you information? Yes. Um, Good. So, for example, what was his concern about having water dumped on his head when his hair is getting washed. He didn't want it going in his eyes, and so that conversation was one that he had with his dad. And so they just they worked out that he would lie back in the tub and he would dunk his head under the water himself. And Got it. That seems to work pretty good. Great solution. And quite frankly, you know, if I was to and on the you mentioned another one, it was uh, brushing teeth. What was his concern about that one? I said he didn't like spitting. Great. Now, so here's what I'm here here's one possibility. Your pediatrician may be on to something. And of course, since I haven't laid eyes on your son, 
I have no idea whether mm-hmm. the pediatrician suggesting that he had um, falls somewhere on the autism spectrum that I can't even come close to weighing in on. It's a, it's, number one, it's sub- pretty subjective in many instances, uh, not all, but in many. Mm-hmm. And number two, um, but, but, but I did, do like what the pediatrician said on the second part, which is that maybe your son is having difficulty in some circumstances, um, and, and the fact that he's telling us that he does have ideas uh, suggests somewhat strongly that when an answer either, and I'm just throwing out hypotheses here, it's conceivable that when an answer is somewhat more complicated or when he has multiple thoughts on the same idea, that he's having trouble organizing himself in a way that permits him to say it. One of the things I sometimes ask kids when they aren't giving me a response, and I believe that under normal circumstances they actually seem to have okay language processing and communication skills, is I'll say to them, um, do you know what you want to say but don't have the words to say it? Or do you not know what you want to say? And you asked something very similar to your son. You didn't use the exact words, but his answer seems to be, oh, I know what I want to say. I got a lot of ideas in there but I'm not exactly sure how to say it, which suggests that maybe your son uh, on more complicated issues, and, and let's face it, there. I think that, and I don't want to just say something to support my belief here, but I think I don't like having water dumped on my head is a more um, is a somewhat more basic answer than needing to respond to what's going wrong when he and his brother are playing Legos and it's not going very well, I actually think that that second one is a more complicated answer. Mm-hmm. I don't like spitting is not a terribly complicated answer. Of course, it does require that he think about it a little bit, but not that complicated. Um, what's going wrong with you and your brother when you're playing Legos together? A little bit more complicated and complicated from two perspectives. Number one, he might have multiple uh, answers for you and may not exactly know which one to say. Number two, he may not have the words to organize what it is that he wants to say. Even, Quite frankly, thinking about it is even more complicated. Um, his brother's doing something. Truth is, the first two answers, brushing teeth and um, getting your hair, uh, getting your shampoo rinsed out, um, those are specific to him alone, largely. Mm-hmm. What's going wrong in an interaction with his brother is more complicated just by mere fact that his brother's involved as well. Mm-hmm. Now comes the million dollar question. So, so yes, I'm hearing that um, maybe on more complicated answers, a child who it sounds like is largely doing okay communicating with words, and I should check that out with you. It, it, under normal circumstances, would you have ever said that he had difficulty with language processing or communication skills? He's exceptional with language processing. And Got it. So the question is, why on some unsolved problems is he not able to let us know what it is? And here's the cool part. You asked him, and he gave you some good information. So and th- as I was listening to you talking, I was thinking, wow, you're, you're actually gathering a meaningful amount of information here, not information on the questions that you most badly want to get answered at this point, the question you asked him in the car was more generic. Are, are there times, what's going on when you uh, aren't answering questions? But 
now I'm wondering if it's time to ask him if him having difficulty with the Legos and his brother is one of those questions that you've asked him that he has a lot of ideas on. I'd like to know that next. And then the hard part, because kids who are having trouble either organizing their response or articulating it sometimes have a hard time giving us this information. I'd like to ask him if um, he can, if there's a way for him to think of well, first of all, I might ask him why that one's harder than some of the other ones. He and I would definitely ask that first, because his answer to that question might actually, and this is true when we're in the empathy step, the information that you get in the empathy step often provides you with the information you need that will inform the solution. And so I'm wondering if you hang out talking with him about why sometimes it's difficult to answer, and then get more specific about some of the things that you'd like answers to. Here's the cool part. This is the interesting thing. He actually has given us a piece of information here that refutes, potentially refutes, the belief that he doesn't want to answer on the Legos question. And, and, and when I heard you saying that, he, that on that question he doesn't want to answer, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if that's true. Or I wonder if there's something about the Lego question that's making it hard, that's hard for him to answer him saying, I have ideas, I'd like more information about that, and why on some specific questions in particular it's hard. And here's the nice part. You're, even if he is a little uncomfortable talking about the Lego question, we're actually posing it to him in a way that is different. He's not feeling like he's in trouble if he was. Um, so you may actually get more information about the Lego question by entering through this back door than going straight through the front door. What do you think? So starting with the why is this why is this more difficult for you to yeah. answer than yeah because he was talking with you about why sometimes it's hard to answer and he is talking on some questions mm-hmm. so it's not like you have a um, total non-responder here and, and here's the nice part about that I, I mean I wish he was responding on everything but he's not but having a total not having a person having a kid who's responding sometimes and not others actually gives us some grist for the let's figure that out mill. Why is he responding on some questions and not others? I cannot wait to find out what you find out. And, of course, we have next week's program, if you feel like calling in again, mm. to let us know what you find out. I, I love to get follow-up on some of these answers that I provide because then it helps our listeners, not only the callers, that keep going with collaborative problem solving, but it also helps people who are, believe me, if if you're if you were wondering if you have other parents out there who are struggling with the exact same thing, um, let me assure you, you do, and the fact that you're calling in now is helpful to them as well. Um, so, do you, do you feel comfortable talking with him further about this now that we've talked, or, or do you have any other questions about it? I'll I'll give that a shot and see how it works. Give it a shot. I can't wait to find out what happens. Thank you again Jason. for calling in. Thanks a lot. You bet. Um, yeah, man. Uh, it is helpful when kids do provide us with information in that empathy step, and sometimes that goes swimmingly. You know, some some kids were just waiting for us to ask. Some kids were just waiting for us to be interested and ask and ask in the right way. They were they were just waiting to, to for us to abandon the lecture, for us to abandon the threats, for us to abandon having a, a punishment hovering over their heads 
for us to abandon telling them what the solution is going to be. They were just waiting. And, of course, with those kids, the ones who are just waiting, um, you know, them, they're, they're going to talk your ear off the first time you do Plan B. But then there's the other ones who um, there's some aspect of doing Plan B with them that is just hard for them. Um, but as you know, I'm a skill guy. If a kid is exhibiting challenging behavior, I'm going to see lagging skills and unsolved problems. If a kid is um, doing something we wish he wasn't doing, I'm going to see lagging skills and unsolved problems. And if a kid is having difficulty participating in Plan B, I'm going to see lagging skills and unsolved problems. That's just what I'm going to see. We do have time to answer one other uh, question today, and I'm going to have to... Um, Pick one that's relatively short here, so I'm scrolling through here. Um, well, here's one that's pretty quick. Uh, can these methods be applied in the case of a six-year-old boy with particularly explosive behaviors? I am sure his mother and I will be hearing a lot of I don't knows. Well, I don't know what particularly explosive means, to tell you the truth. that You might be uh, saying that he is either has an extremely short fuse or when he is frustrated um, or exploding, what he's doing is at a more extreme end of what I call the spectrum of looking bad. So he's not just whining, pouting, or sulking, or screaming. He's swearing, or hitting, or kicking, or destroying property. So if that's what you mean by particularly explosive, um, okay, we're good. We're still good. Um, if you're going to hear I don't know, we're going to have to figure out what that I don't know means. And uh, this mom who you just heard me responding to uh, is getting sort of a form of I don't know on some questions. Um, on other questions, she's not getting I don't know. And in the case of her child, um, he's saying I don't know or not responding apparently when the answer, and we'll find out, if the answer is complicated or if he doesn't have the words to say. I wonder what your child's I don't know means. And as I've always said, if if you get I don't know, your goal is to figure out what I don't know means. I don't know could means could mean I, I don't understand what you've asked me. I don't know could mean you've never asked me like this before. If you, you haven't even sought information from me like this before, so I don't exactly have the answer at the tip of my tongue. I don't know could mean what is this about? Because I'm accustomed to plan A is this just you're looking for information so you can do plan A on me? You might have to reassure that child that you're not mad at him. I'm not going to tell him what to do. Um, he might need some reassurance. He might not trust this process yet. Um, if this is the first time you've been doing this, he, he might not trust the process. Um, he'll have to get to know that, uh, well, this is not about plan A. This is about plan B. You really are interested in his concerns. You really do want to know. I don't know could mean a whole bunch of different things, and now you have the challenge, although I will say your email suggests that you are anticipating a lot of I don't knows. You know, kids will surprise you. I don't know may not be what you get. He may just have been waiting for you to ask. Um, this is the, this, of all, you know, of all the cool things about collaborative problem solving and about doing Plan B with an individual child, it's an adventure. It's an adventure. 
Life with a challenging child is, an, is a journey. Doing Plan B on a particular unsolved problem is an adventure. And um, if you're the parent of a child with social, emotional, or behavioral challenge, you got no choice but to take the journey. Uh, if you if you keep doing what isn't working, it's just going to get worse. But collaborative problem solving and lives in the balance is here to help you on the journey. The journey of finding out why your child is challenging and finding out that there are alternative strategies out there to help you solve problems with your child, um, reduce challenging episodes, teach your child the skills he's lacking. It's a journey. But each plan B is an adventure. We never know where it's going to go. We never know what we're going to run into. We just know that it's what we ought to be doing if we want to solve problems with our child in a way that solves them durably, doesn't cause challenging episodes, and teaches them the skills that they're lacking. Say, we're out of time for today. I hate when that happens. Whoops. And I also just clicked the wrong button. (laughs) I do that sometimes. My apologies. Here's the ending. It comes up gradually. (laughs) Thanks for listening in today. And thanks to those who called in and for those of you who've emailed. I hope you're finding the information to be helpful. I'll be back next week, as always. Take care. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.